Matt Fitzpatrick said the smartest thing you can say on a Sunday night, and it, and I think he really meant it. I'm not changing anything. I'm, I know what works. I'm going to keep at going what works. No matter what, he now is in the same conversation as Tony Jacklin for the rest of his life. He's an Englishman who won the U.S. Open. And not only that, he won it the same place he won a U.S. Amateur that could some of the same company as Jack Nicklaus. So he has had, he's a young man, he's had a great golfing life already. And he'll either keep it going or he won't keep it going. He's going to be around for years. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Uh, hello, welcome back to another Fire Drill podcast. This is Alan Shipnick. Sitting right next to me is Michael Bamberger. We're here at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. It's Sunday evening after the U.S. Open. Jeff Ogilvie is joining us from uh, Melbourne, Australia on the internet. Uh, what a U.S. Open. I mean, today was so much fun. I just loved the energy of it. Great golf, big time players. Uh, Jeff, what did, what did you see that you liked uh, on this this kind of memorable show? I mean, yeah, you're right. It was perfect, wasn't it? It was uh, a few birdies to be had, lots of lots of big names, two or three guys who hadn't won a major. Um, Scheffler keeps showing up, even though we underestimate it. No one ever picks him at the start of the week, but he's, he's just there every time. Um, and he was one putt away from being in the, in the playoff. Gutsy, I mean, what a bunker shot from Fitzpatrick on the last hole. Pretty impressive. Yeah, just a great tournament. It was... Uh, it's great to have a U.S. Open that isn't marred by some sort of bitching and moaning about the setup. And there was some birdies, but there was plenty of carnage, and lots of guys had a chance. I think a lot of guys will look back after the weekend that they had. There was a lot of guys. If you look back, a lot of guys had a chance with two rounds to play. You know what I mean? But Matt, I mean, if you look back to uh, Southern Hills, he was probably one of the best players in the field, if not the best player in the field, and he sort of looked a little testy, and um, even Billy looked a little grumpy with him, sort of towards the end of Sunday, I thought, at least watching on TV, um, that his man had sort of lost his way attitude-wise. So I, I kind of felt that he was sort of ready for ready to go the next step. He would have learnt tons out of Southern Hills and he came here and um, got the job done, finished it off like a proper major champion. 17 grains, that doesn't happen very often in the US Open. What do you, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I uh, agree with all of that and agree with your, your sentiment. And uh, I've always rooted for the US Open for, for the greatness of it and it's it's hurt me actually on a personal level to see sort of the masters usurp it and i don't know what it is about this week and i think you felt the same alan and that jeff had you been here i think you would have felt the same like for the second we got on campus we're like this is what it's all about it's so cool it's so intense it's so beautiful it's charming and it's tough it's got history it's the whole package and i just feel like the i feel like the usa been elevated itself this week I fully agree. And, you know, even even though it's usually, it's in the summer, except when you're maybe at Pebble or Torrey, I mean, it's a hot weather tournament, but sort of that that the coolness and the gray skies, it felt right. Like, it felt like she'd been wearing tweed, you know, like everything about, you instinctively think back to 1913 and, and all, all the great history here and the old history. And it, it just it just felt right, a little gloaming. and It really uh, did. Yeah. It felt spooky. And this place is a little spooky and a little weird. Ben Crenshaw, you know, kissing the green. And it's got weird and spooky. And it was just neat in every way. By the way, I only learned this recently. In 13, they played it in September. So they probably had some kind of cooler weather. But, yeah, this is really 
what it's all about. I'm only sorry Jeff wasn't in the field. I think he would have so appreciated the whole thing. <laughs> I know. Um, indeed. Um, well, let's let's give our due to the champ. I mean, you said it, Jeff, that, that shot out of the bunker. And I mean, Fitzpatrick was nails all day. He was playing so beautifully, and he was just letting the club go. I mean, he just looked like he was free swinging out there. And then really the worst shot he had all day was probably that quick hook off 18T. And it's like, uh-oh. Oh, you know, you, you, we needed Johnny Miller on the call. That's pressure, you know? And, yep. <laughs> and it was like, oh, here we go. And, and let's be fair. I mean, Fitzgerald, uh, Fitzpatrick is, I think, 0 for 6 in the Ryder Cup. He, he did struggle at Southern Hills. So you had this sense of, like, foreboding, like, oh, man, is he going to let this get away after playing so beautifully? So what is it about a fairway bunker shot, uh, Jeff, that is particularly challenging? Or maybe there's something – you know, the way you can pick the ball clean out of sand. Like, talk us through the mechanics of that shot under pressure and just how good it was. Well, I mean, it's it's the last place you want to finish, I think, on the last hole. I mean, because so much can go wrong. I mean, look, John showed us yesterday yep. that if you thin it a little bit, you stay in the bunker. It's You get one grain of sand between your club and the ball, and it's not going to get to the green. Um, it's a very sort of low margin for error shot. Um he was let off a little bit that he that he kind of had to fade it. I mean, I don't know if he's the same and everyone else is the same, but I've always felt a fade out of a fairway bunker is kind of what you want to do. It's a lot easier than trying to hit a draw. If he'd had the same sort of draw around that little mound, um, that would have been exponentially more difficult, I would have thought. Um, so let off there, but he was right down on the steel and the grip on it. He wasn't going to hit the ball fat. And um, yeah, great shot. Incredible. You're right. He looked very free. Um free all day and his putting stroke just looks money it looks like if you just watch his putter it looks like it's a robot putting it's just perfect <laughs> you know and he kept that sort of that pace he's, he's quite quick for an analytical methodical guy he gets up to it and goes really fast which i really like it's fun to watch watch him play and he didn't slow down at all and he hit that putt on the last pretty fast he hit the bunker shot pretty fast um yeah he looked everything a winner all day really and that was interesting about him and will coming up the last because those two sort of I mean, I know Matt's won a lot of times in Europe, but um, hasn't won over here. Needed to sort of, he's trying to win his first major. Will's trying to win his first tournament. It's unbelievable. The majors have got the one he's going to, he looks like he's going to get his first win in a major, Will. Um, so it was interesting to see it just come down to those two on the last hole, and they both played the whole last hole, like Tiger and Ernie, right? It was in, it was impressive, yeah. It was neat to hear Fitzpatrick talking about that, but, you know, I was afraid I taught Will too much, you know. <laughs> Just so intense, so match play, and of course, uh, uh, Fitzpatrick won here playing match play when he went, went when he won the USM. What what do you like about the kid? He's smart. He's methodical. He's English. Uh, he's straight. Uh, he seems like a straightforward personality. He doesn't look like he's playing games with anybody. Uh, um, and uh, he just stood up there. You know, Will was the field was serving him a lot. And when you looked at that board at the turn. You know, it wasn't like, oh, this is mine to lose. It's like anybody could win this thing. And then things changed a little bit. Um, but he, he he seems like a methodical, intelligent player that should win a U.S. Open, like Faldo should have won a U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, interesting. <clears throat> can, can I ask Jeff a quick technical uh, question? Always. Uh, Jeff, when you, when you get in that, you know, those fairway bunkers, I heard this as a kid. I've been doing it ever since, but I'm bad out of fairway bunkers, so maybe I don't have the right idea. Do you choke up as much as you dig in? Um, I try not to dig in too much. I try not to get too deep with my feet. I mean, it depends on the sand and it's all, every bunker shot's different. That's the the fun part about bunkers. Um, I would always choke up a little, it depends how it feels. I mean, if the ball's above your feet, you choke up a lot. If it's below, you don't. 
I think it's a feel thing. I think your issue is you might need to just practice them a little yeah. bit more. You don't do that much, um, do you? One doesn't. <laughs> generally, generally, uh, it's not a shot that anyone practices. Um, and I think we're actually very fortunate when we play on tour because we play courses where fairway bunkers are so prominent and we're in them all the time. We just get natural practice by playing on tour out of fairway bunkers. Yeah, You don't see many of us practice them on the range. There's very few places you can actually practice them. So you really have to just play lots of golf and, and just work it out as you go along, I think. Was he... I mean, certain swings suit it. Certain swings suit fairway bunkers. Um, he's very shallow on the downswing, which is going to really help him. Um, and other swings, other guys seem to fat their fairway bunker shots all the time, and some guys seem to thin them. Greg Norman was incredible out of a fairway bunker. Yes. Um, he a lot picked... of guys, Tiger's been great, but it's just practice a lot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Savvy was a great bunker player, fairway bunker, but he really picked. Uh, was he really down to the steel? I didn't pick up on that. Was he that choked up? He was pretty low. There was a lot of inches of grip above his hands. Neat. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So it's cool to sort of sort of feel it out on the last hole. Not rely- I mean, for a guy who's quite formulaic, I guess, um, he sees does seem to play quite feel-based golf for a guy who jots down every shot and stat is a stat king right. um analytic sort of guy he does seem to play a very feely based game which is sort of fun to watch this is another subtle thing but i want your your take on this jeff is uh fitzpatrick putts first he's got maybe two feet i mean nothing's a gimme when the u.s opens on the line but um you know he he hold out and then let will have his his putt to tie it which in, in sort of denied himself the glory of brushing in the last putt and, you know, the moment and, yep. and hugging the caddy, like uh, on an emotional level, he, he may have, he may have denied himself a once in a lifetime opportunity, but what is the thinking there just to get your putt, you know, get your ball in the hole first? It was so close. It was not, it was never going to miss that. I was surprised he tapped it in to be honest. Yeah. Um, and from a tour player's perspective, and everyone else thinks this is ridiculous, but I was thinking he's going to stand on his through line. You can't stand on his through line. But then I started thinking, well, his through line doesn't really matter because he's uh, he's not going to win if he doesn't make it. But yeah. um, I thought he was going to stand on his, on his line through the hole. And then I thought, well, you don't tap it in because you're not going to miss it anyway. And you're going to have a chance to tap it in. And, and the, the winner's supposed to putt out last, right? Generally, if you can make it happen. But he was obviously a match play mindset in those exactly. last couple of holes. Yep. So just get the ball in the hole. And I don't, I think it turned out perfectly. He was standing next to Billy. Billy was clearly um, genuinely chuffed, to use a word that they would use over there. Um, just just genuine happiness that he'd sort of finally got his major and he'd got his man over the line. That obviously had some frustrations at Southern Hills on Sunday and stuff. And I just think it was um, a nice moment that they were standing next to each other when he won. You talk about Billy Foster, the caddy, who's been out here forever and won dozens, dozens of tournaments with different players, but never won a major. What do you know about Billy? Well, one of the funniest people on tour, one of the brightest, and probably could be a great Ryder Cup captain. No <laughs> joke. Just actually could be a great Ryder, Ryder Cup captain. Uh, have, I'm sure you've been in groups with him many times, Jeff. What, what, what's he like to be? In, uh, or has he ever been on your bag? Or what's he like in a group if he hasn't been? I've never had him on the bag, but I've been out with him lots and lots of times. I mean, he's fantastic. He's a very funny man. He could be a stand-up comedian without any troubles, I think. He gives great speeches at golf clubs and always got lots and lots of stories, tells fantastic Seve stories, um, brilliant Westwood stories and Darren Clark stories. I mean, he's caddied for the Who, so he's basically caddied for every Ryder Cup hero that, that Europe's ever had. You know what I mean? He's just <laughs> a, a legend of the game. He seems sort of 
tight, ageless, ageless, really. I mean, he was a well-experienced sort of long-time caddy when I got out on tour. I went up, went to Europe in 1999 and he'd been there a long time and he was very respected then and he's still going strong. Um, probably the, the pick of the Europeans that you would pick. If you, had a, if you had a European caddy to pick out of the basket, you would pick Billy if you had a chance to get him. Um, fantastic caddy. And, and as you say, arguably the funniest man out there. I mean, the caddies are funny people, but he's probably the king of the bunch and has, has more great story. He could fill up 10 hours of a podcast with just stories and you'd, you'd just be begging for more. Fantastic. Yeah, that's neat. It's actually a good idea. Noted. That, very well noted. Yes. <laughs> uh, in 91, when I catered for Peter Taravainen in Europe, he was 91. That's a long time ago. He was already catting for Seve and Seve was playing good golf then. So you wouldn't have gotten that job, job in 91, you know, 30 plus years ago, unless you were damn good at your job. And here he is winning the US Open. And here's two-time U.S. Open Andy North coming through the house. <laughs> um, Andy, we got Jeff Ogilvy on the line here. Yeah, a lot of people at the U.S. Opens here, but not me and you, Michael. Um, I mean, that that was cute because I was I had a perfect glimpse of it where uh, you could see Will miss his putt, and Fitzpatrick didn't even react. He just looked at Billy, and you know, Billy's crying, and uh, you know, it was a rare moment where almost the caddy was more of a focus than the player, and it was it was kind of cute. And I think it suits Fitzpatrick. It's very generous of him. It was not like. Hey, I'm I'm the guy. This is all about me. Like he was, he was happy to kind of almost felt like to share the moment with his caddy. And yep. I thought yep. that said Very something generous. a little bit yep. about him. Can we go back to one moment about about Tapian? I'm so glad you concluded with match play mentality because that's really what it is. You know, for those two guys coming down 18, it's going to be one either going to play off, basically not necessarily. It's either going to play off. Matt Fitzpatrick's going to win this thing. Once he's got the putt to guarantee a playoff. I think he's got to make it because then all the pressures on Will Zalatoris is like, there's no other wiggle room except for must make the putt. It's not like, well, if I don't make it, there's some freakish chance he might miss from 20 inches. Yeah. So I think I just think in the match play sense of it, with all due respect to through line, he absolutely did the right thing. And I'm one, like you were saying, I'm one for like own the moment, but the moment is, Make sure tomorrow morning I got the trophy and the ribbon that goes with it in the tournament. Yeah, the medal. That's true. I mean, I mean, guys have missed short putts. It, you know, whether it's Scott Hoke Southern, or Southern the Hills. With yeah, Retief, Retief Goosen, Stuart Sink, and Mark Brooks. Like it does happen. You're right. So he tapped it in off. He tapped it in off one leg. It was a tap in. Come on, he's not missing that putt. <laughs> I'm a yipper. I'm always nervous. <laughs> yeah. I'm literally nervous watching guys make short putts because. That's how bad my yipping is. <laughs> yeah, that's we're, we're never playing golf together, Jeff. You, you, it won't be. Well, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we let's. How so. was the commentating? Did you did you have the sound on today? Sound off. I had the sound on. We've got the world feed here in Australia, so we kind of bounce back and forward from the NBC crew to um, some frustrating stuff. But um, it was really good. Zinger's fantastic, I think, in the box. Um, He's sort of that perfect sort of blend. He's not quite Johnny, but he says it how he sees it. And he's a very intelligent golfer, Zinger. Um, and you can tell he just gets excited because that's his moment, right? He loves that. He's The closer he got to the last hole, the more he loved it. And he's just he's such a competitive guy. I think he's fantastic. Um, I think John Wood's a great... He's become great at the job, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a smart thing they did, get Bones and John down on the side of the fairways because it's really... Arguably, they know more from the side of the fairway than the player does because they've spent their career watching golf from the side of the player, you know, and assessing lies and watching other players. And, um, he's, he puts together a really good thing and yeah, it was, it's very enjoyable. I mean, I miss the old Johnny days to be honest. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, 
I thought Johnny, I think sometimes got a bit bored of the job towards the end of the normal weeks, but he was always just fantastic on US Open Sunday. Like that was his day of the year. Um, so I missed that a little bit, but I think Zing is the perfect guy to replace him. Um, I'm glad we're back on NBC. No offense to Fox. Um, but I feel NBC, the US Open, at least in my lifetime, I mean, I remember ABC and the Rossi sort of Judy Rankin days and stuff too, but um, it, at least in my sort of career and lifetime, the, the US Open feels like it belongs on NBC. And Johnny was a star, you know, he, he elevated it by his presence, you know, and it, Johnny elevated that 06 U.S. Open at Wingfoot oh, big time. It's because he was <laughs> so perplexed by what Phil was doing. Ben Hogan is rolling over in his grave. It's one of the all-time great calls. He's like, "This better be the forward when Phil gets the lasso." Yeah, it was not the forward. Um, oh, it's such great stuff. Um, well, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, John. There's some players who are going to really uh, be kicking themselves because in the end. Uh, the course played a little softer today. There was there was birdies to be made, and by the way, the, the, it, I, when I woke up this morning, I opened my windows and I could see puddles out on the street. I mean, it, it was a pretty good rain here in Brookline. So, you know, I think if in the absence of that, the course would have been tougher, and I think the USGA would have probably pushed it a little bit more. But there's nothing you can do when it rains Sunday morning. It was weirdly perfect scoring conditions. It was not what we thought it would be, and that is one of the great beauties of an outdoor sport. We yeah. know it'd be windy and cold, and it was pleasant and still an overcast and you could see the shots. Yeah. No, I think, I think a war of attrition is fun, but it, it was really felt like a shootout. I mean, guys were hitting some incredible shots. Like um, that, I don't know what iron Zal Torres hit on that long par three. What is uh, 16? Like that was, that was pure. That was, I mean, he had just made bogey two shots. swing. looks like he's out of it. And he, he flagged it from 220. got back in the fight. I mean, that was, that was a big time golf shot. And, uh, you know, if the green was brick hard, that thing probably rolls over into the rough, and it's a different story. So, um, it's not. It is nice when when great shots are received. Yep, I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. Um, some some guys who went backwards today, uh, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy. I mean, let's just put a little bow on, on their weeks. I was particularly surprised with Rahm. I mean, he 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 started yep. at three under, um, and he was never a factor today. And you know, Rory made a bunch of birdies, a bunch of bogeys. He was there. He wasn't there. It was just quintessential Rory performance, but. Um, watching the watching those guys play play it out. What what did you see, Jeff? Yeah, I mean Rory's going to look back again. I mean it, he didn't really lose it today. I think he probably lost it yesterday. Um, um, he just he's just top five in majors every time. Doesn't really matter how he plays. He seems to sort of manage the his way in the top five, but he doesn't seem to figure on the leaderboard as much as he probably should. But again, these things are hard. These tournaments are hard. He carries a fair weight of expectation. Um, self-expectation and everyone else's expectation. Um, it's been a long time since he's won one, so it's hard. I mean, obviously, sort of, he's trying his hardest. Um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be surprised if he wins four or five more, but the way it goes, it looks like he might he, he could not win any more, right? So, I mean, who really knows? He's so good. And you look at last week, you watch last week, it's like, wow, this guy should win two of these a year. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's going to ruin a little bit. Ram, John's going to be a little bit annoyed, I think. I mean, the last 19 holes, he looked he looked to, for all accounts, the winner, didn't he, with a hole to play yesterday. Um, John on Sunday doesn't normally go that way, but just wasn't his week. I mean, these things are tough. I mean, you can play well and shoot two or three over. Like, you just get off to a rough start, and it's they're really tough. I mean, Hideki played unbelievable. Um, what a round he had. A little frustrated at him when he didn't hit the 17th grain. Um, it would have been fun to see him get in the house at four which might have put a little bit more pressure on the guys coming in. Um, 
Colin, sort of a backdoor top five. He sort of had a good start of the week and was gone yesterday and had a great day today. So, I mean, he was never really in it, but he's ended up, he's gonna, history's going to show a top five, which is pretty cool. Um, Adam Hadwin keeps showing up in big tournaments too. Yeah. You know, he's he's a man for this occasion. He's just got that really tidy, he's, it's, it's Fitzpatrick-like, right? He's sort of yep. methodical and goes about his business. Yep. Hits the ball really tight. He doesn't do anything that is going to blow. You're going to walk straight past him on the range. But like then at the end of the week, he's right up there again. You know, um, just keeps coming up with a good Hadwin. So, yeah, I mean, Guido had a top 15. Guido's that back. He likes the US Open. Um, incredible. Yeah, fantastic. I'm glad you mentioned um, Guido because when I was, I was walking in today, he was going down the 17th fairway. And he was hitting the vape pen. And I tweeted about this. And I said, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But is is in the context of a very stressful tournament round is nicotine a performance enhancing drug. And is it something that, you know, should be regulated in some way and led to all kinds of, you know, people calling me a prude stuff. I'm not offended by it, but you know, you get, someone's like, well, what about aspirin or what about Gatorade? But you know, in the United States, there's a minimum age. It's at a regulated industry. It's acknowledged by the government to be, you know, essentially a, a, a harmful and or addictive substance. And, what I mean, obviously, these guys chew some Arnie and Palmer, Arnie and, and uh, Hogan, and plenty of others smoked. But you know, it is a funny thing. I mean, we all recognize it affects your your body in some way. Like, do you think it has a place in big time competitive golf, Jeff? I think people should be able to do whatever they want. To be honest, um, with inside the rules, <laughs> um, it probably is performance enhancing. But then, what are you going to do? Stop drug guys drinking coffee in the morning? I mean, like, where do you where do you draw the line? I mean. Um, Bobby Jones, I mean, he used to say, why would you play golf without cigarettes? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, how could you? I mean, Hogan didn't hit a shot without having a smoke in his hand before he hit it. I mean, um, it's obviously a different world now. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of chew out there, as you said, and, um, CBD chewing gum yeah. and like all sorts of different stuff. I mean, guys are going to do their thing, right? So, I mean, I, I don't think that's really that performance enhancing. If it keeps him happy and peaceful, I don't think anybody really minds. I mean, I think everyone's glad that we don't smell cigarettes and stuff out there like we used to, like back in the good old days um, yeah. everywhere. But I don't know. I mean, if you ban nicotine, what are you going to do? Ban ca- caffeine? And then you're going to, what are you going to ban practice? Practice is performance enhancing too. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good line. I mean, <laughs> I'm definitely stealing that line. Well, well, what about we, weed? Like, say you're in California where it's legal. Like, are you okay with guys like, you know, actually having real marijuana, THC during their competitive rounds? Well, THC is a banned substance for us. So, I mean, I think I don't know enough about the levels and the rules and stuff, but I think you'd probably, you would, uh, if you would, you would, we in the cup and you would fail the test i think so we're not allowed to do that but i don't think why is alcohol is t- an interesting one yeah alcohol sure alcohol would absolutely be a performance answer for most people i would have thought if you could get yourself to the right level um and nobody really does it except some of the older guys every now and then and john's done it and there's a few other guys that i won't mention that used to sneak one in towards the end of their career and that's clearly a performance answer. we all play better after a couple of beers i think especially if you're a little bit stressed um <laughs> If you were really looking for performance enhancing legal things to do, you wouldn't you just have a little hip flask in your uh, hip flask in your golf bag and have a little sip every six holes or something like that? I mean, I don't know. Is that so, against PGA Tour bylaws? Like, is it spelled out? You can't do that. It's not against the uh, drug enforcement policy or whatever, but I think it's against the bylaws. Yeah, yeah. It's, con- it's conduct unbecoming. I think. And, yeah. I mean, now we're getting into some subtle things, but that's on. Why is <laughs> THC 
a banned substance, but caffeine or and tobacco is not. I mean, they. But what can, about the gum? What's loud in the gum? Only the CBD gum, yeah, but not the yeah. THC gum. Yeah, I'm just saying. To me, there, there's this, is a slight bit of hypocrisy and or the lobbying of big tobacco. Like, there's other things at play here. Like, um, you, some things are okay and some things are not. I just think it's a funny debate. I'm not that fired up about it, but it, it came up today. One of the most intense things. It's ever- hard to ask somebody to. It's hard to ask somebody to quit nicotine. I imagine. To play golf, though, I mean, it's a pretty hard thing to stop, right? Some guys just probably want to stop and can't. Guido probably doesn't want to do it, you yeah. know, but it's just his thing, you know, like play golf, stop this, or you can't play golf. I don't know. Yeah. One of the most intense things anybody. I've ever seen in golf is uh, Ben Crenshaw at 95 at the Masters uh, uh, trying to win and, you know, not wanting the little children t- to see him, you know, cup, 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 and cup. Yeah. And Nick no, Price no would do that too. Yeah. The cup. I saw the cup and, out of Nicky. You know, and he won't play golf courses where you can't smoke. And that's the number of cigarettes. And that's the number of golf courses uh, these days. Um, <laughs> Jeff, can I, uh, pardon me if I've ever mentioned this to you before, and I know Alan's heard me say it before, but it was something I heard years ago and it made such an impression on me. And it was, it came from uh, Lucas Glover. And he said, you know, the most, in, the, the moment he really realized that he was the U.S. Open winner was not when he hoisted the trophy, not when he went on David Letterman, but when he went to, when he went to Hartford and he stood up and he walked on the practice tee and guys were looking at him different. So two part question, Jeff, because unlike Phil Mickelson, I believe you are taking two part questions. That's one of his <laughs> new things, Jeff. You may not know. He's not taking two part questions. Two part question. What was that Lucas Glover moment for you? And here with Fitzpatrick taking a fortnight off, what do you think it might be for him to the best you can guess what it might be like for him? Um, there was a couple of moments, I guess, for me. I mean, Letterman's a pretty – that day, the day after, the Monday, because I was in New York and we went – we didn't have to fly into New York. I mean, we went really deep on uh, Sunday night. Uh-huh. Um, and Monday it was a little bit of a blur, but then you get on Letterman and Adam Sandler's in the green room and he's chatting to me about how much he watched it and how weird a finish it was and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I guess that was the moment. But the real moment, yeah, is probably the next tournament. Um, and my next tournament was um, Hoylake, actually. Oh, wow. You I had a good weeks. time off. I, took th- I had three or four weeks off. I'd always, pl- I'd always planned it, to be honest, and it just happened. So I was back in Australia, and that was kind of pretty cool, and there was a bit of fanfare back here. But when I turned up at Hoylake, all of a sudden, you're actually um, – everybody asks, and everybody's looking, and you're signing everywhere. And, like, the next time in the arena, I definitely, like, really – um, hits home. It's like, wow! I actually won something that people care about. <laughs> and did <laughs> you feel it from? Deal. Did you feel it from your fellow players as well? I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do. Um, people walk all the way to, across two fairways to congratulate you. Wow. You walk on the range, and everyone's sort of looking. And yeah, it's it's different from winning a normal tournament um, by a long stretch. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So the next time I played was definitely hit home. And then the next time I played in the US was Flint, Michigan. Remember the old Buick oh, yeah, Flint, yeah. Michigan was a fantastic, to- fantastic tournament. And I'm out there in the Pro-Am and I'm signing 10 magazines off the back of every single, because it was the golf week and golf world era when we had the, the weekly magazines and stuff. Signing, I must have signed 500 of those magazines um, that week. That was my first weekend back in the US and all the collectors and the eBayers and stuff were walking uh-huh. around with the magazines and all the kids with the hats and stuff. So it was the next couple of times I played, really. So it's just it's a gradual little thing. And for him, for Matt, it'll be as soon as he walks on the at the, he gets to the golf tournament for sure. Um, wherever he's playing in two weeks, where where is he playing in two weeks? Three weeks? I don't know. 
Yeah. I know, I know we're going to see well, him on the Scottish Open. Open maybe. It's Scottish, Scottish Open. Maybe. Scottish so, Open maybe. Maybe so. Could be don't know. Yeah, it'll be there, I imagine. Because, yeah. I mean, especially when a European, there's such a brotherhood on the European tour. I don't know if it's still the same but I, it, as it was, but I'm sure it's still there. And he's a pretty regular, he's been over here a lot, uh, well, in the US a lot, but he's he's a pretty regular member of the European tour and they all know him and he's sort of grown up on that tour. They're, they will... Um, they will be very, very excited for him and he'll be really, really, he'll have a sort of a, a lot of handshakes and a lot of hugs and a lot of happiness the first couple of days when he turns up in Scotland, yeah. Well, and we saw that with Rory sticking around to congratulate him. That was cool. He was, yeah. came down that last and he, week. And as you, and Alan was asking him in his press conference about being from Sheffield, England. He's a pretty regular guy too. Yeah. And I think that will serve him well as the Open Champion. I mean, Sheffield is a working class town. He's a working golfer. He's just a very cerebral one, but he's a working man's golfer for sure. Um, and uh, that will serve him well. That's great. Well, Michael, I have a lot of typing to do, so let, let's wrap this up with um, where do we think, and this is an impossible question to answer, but that's the fun of podcasts is we can just spout things off. Where do we think Fitzpatrick goes from here? I mean, what is what is his future like? Oh, wow. I mean, he probably goes on and wins a few more tournaments, I would think. I mean, he's obviously a great player. It doesn't look like he was. he's going to get overawed and carried away um with the whole thing i mean expectation is a tough thing after you win i mean i think almost every sort of winner like me or fitzpatrick or lucas or the normal ones you know not the tigers and the ernies and the guys who expect to be up there the whole time but the expectation for the next six 12 months is tough um he's obviously in a rich reign of form playing really well he's going to be excited at st andrews um I'm sure he's going to stick around. He's the sort of guy, pretty level-headed, as you say, pretty cerebral and pretty smart, pretty normal. Doesn't seem like he's going to get carried away on social media or sort of become too big for his boots. Um, he'll just keep jotting down his notes in his book and um, just keep playing golf. He's got a great caddy on his bag. He'll keep his. He'll keep him level and um, remind him that he's just got a job to do. And that when he turns up at the Scottish Open, I think he's. Uh, he looks built, like he said, he's like Faldo, like he looks built to win these big tournaments, especially when they're like this one. I mean, he might struggle around Bethpage Black or something like, or Tory South or something, because it's probably just a little big for him. But again, he's hitting the ball a lot further. And um, as I said, his putting stroke just looks like foolproof under pressure. Um, yeah, brilliant. I think he's, I think he's, I wouldn't say the sky's the limit, but I think he's, he's got a lot of wins in front of him. Yeah, well, and it's very well said because in this very fraught moment for golf, I mean, the European Tour is in a precarious position with, um, I mean, they could very quickly become the, the number four tour in golf if you know, Liv has the money and in the affiliation with the Asian Tour, like the European Tour is fighting for its survival. So as, as you said, he's always been a supporter of that tour. He's English to the bone. Um, he could be a backbone of, of Ryder Cup teams, which they, they really need an infusion of talent. So... Uh, I think I think very very quickly Matthew Fitzpatrick becomes uh, an important part of the professional golf firmament. That's what happens when you win this tournament. So it's fun to think about what what role he could take. Because I I agree with what you said, Jeff. I mean, he looks like he's built for the long haul. I don't I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but when Patrick Cantlay putted at that uh, that Baltimore tournament in the FedEx event, I never saw a better putting stroke in all my life, including everybody. And but it comes and goes for <laughs> for all of them. Now he said. Matt Fitzpatrick said the smartest thing you can say on a Sunday night, and it, and I think he really meant it. I'm not changing anything. I'm, I know what works. I'm going to keep it going what works. But even with that mindset, it is hard to keep it going. No matter what, 
he now is in the same conversation as Tony Jacklin for the rest of his life. He's an Englishman who won the U.S. Open. And not only that, he won it the same place he won the U.S. Amateur. That puts him in the same company as Jack Nicklaus. So he has had, he's a young man, he's had a great golfing life already. And he'll either keep it going or he won't keep it going. He's going to be around for years. Um, whether he'll ever win another major or not, I would say the odds are against. But I'm rooting for him because yeah. he's likable and it's great for golf when you have a guy win more than one major. Just like I would root for Jeff Ogilvy in a minute. But it is hard. And I don't think, and, and in this age, it's harder than it's ever been. And um, it's easy on a Sunday night in our euphoria to say nothing of his euphoria to get carried away. But Patrick Cantley will tell you that it's hard to keep it going. It's true. I mean, there's so much life in front of Fitzpatrick. Like, I was talking to Jordan Spieth actually about Fitzpatrick. And uh, as soon as we were done, he got down on the grass and he was rolling around with his, with his new baby. And he looked like he didn't even care whatever he finished with the USA, which wasn't great. Like, you know, your priorities very quickly change. Fitzpatrick's a bachelor. He, you know, that can be a distraction. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, it was a big time performance on a big time golf course, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll see that. That's the, the great thing about sport; nothing's guaranteed. We have no idea what's in store for him, but we're going to be we watching. Have given Willie Z his just attention here? Uh, probably not. I mean, Je- Jeff mentioned like it's incredible the guy's never won a it PGA is. Tour event. I mean, he's you know he just he's a top five machine in the majors, and uh, and I, I talked to a few players. I was actually asking Colin Morikawa, who you know has had his putting struggles as well. I said. You know, when you're when you're playing with Willie and, and you watch him putt, you know, what, what does that feel like for you? He's like, I pray for him. <laughs> but he was serious. Like, he's like, <laughs> he, he said he's, it's squirrely. I mean, it's, he said, but, you know, the ball does go in the hole a good amount. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, um, and Gary Woodland's the same. I, I caught him in the parking lot. He's like, it, it looks weird, but the ball goes in. So, um He's he's a fun character to have. I mean, he handled himself beautifully it's out there. Great. I love watching him hit the ball. He showed a ton of heart. I mean, it's clear he's going to keep contending, and uh, it it's it's part of the fun. I mean, with the exception maybe Tiger Woods, you know, very few players get everything. No player gets everything, and so from you know Tita Green, Zaltorce is absolutely incredible. And uh, the tension is, can he get the ball in the hole fast enough? And I think that's going to be an ongoing conversation. Yeah, I mean, to be three strokes away from three playoffs in three majors on three very different golf courses at this young age, for a rich kid, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but rich kids usually aren't going to work hard enough at golf to get that good. I think it's actually astounding. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Is that too harsh, Jeff? (laughs) No, it's generally historically accurate. I mean, there's outliers in there, and he's one of the outliers. You know, I mean, rich kids... Unfortunately, have the, all the opportunity though. You know, they get all the AJGA and they get all the junior stuff and they uh, stuff. But yeah, the, there's I think there's a case for both. There's a case for opportunity when you grow up, but there's also a case for um, the Cabrera sort of fighting for your dinner sort of upbringing. You know what I mean? Too that you just desperately got to you got to get out of where you grow up and you, you've got to succeed. You've got no choice. Yeah, I think there's a case for both. I love that. And Matthew Fitzpatrick, I mean, he called Sheffield the steel town. I love yeah, that. You know, that was neat. I don't know what Sheffield is, but I know what Pittsburgh is. They're both steel towns. Like it gives you very quickly. Yeah. Well, they make the razors in Sheffield. Ah, That's how it got. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, see, I mean, we're, this is such an edifying podcast for our listeners. They, they learned so many different things. Um, well, this has been a heck of a week, Jeff. We, yeah. we thank you for getting up early, uh, shooing the kids off to Great. school. I mean, this has been a lot of podcasting. You've been an indispensable voice. Yep. I'm getting a lot of love on Twitter for it. I don't know. If I, I think you're smart enough to stay above the fray, but people have definitely been appreciating your, your commentary. And 
it's a little weird to hear Jeff praise Azinger so much, whom I like a lot. But Jeff could do Azinger's job better than Azinger. Significantly better. But don't tell anyone because we don't want to exactly. lose him. Exactly. So edit this out, Jake, please. <laughs> but we will include our testimony to the fellows from Wisconsin. Where are they from? Oh, oh the Dormy Workshop. They're from Nova Scotia, actually. Nova Scotia. Yeah. Great place. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Dormy Workshop, one of our sponsors, will give them a shout out. They make beautiful uh, handmade leather goods. If, you like, you know, if, if you're into super cool head covers and other D-O-R-M-I-E. Uh, dormi, like you're dormi in a match. Yeah. So I, I e from end. the French. Yes, to sleep. To sleep. Yes. Like I'm so in control of this match, I could go to sleep here, and you cannot beat me. That's it. And isn't it? Isn't caddy is is derivative of French? Yeah, exactly. Oui, oui. <laughs> I flunked high school French. Believe me, I'm unqualified <laughs> to be having this conversation. You did well, Michael. You did well. So, all right, for uh, for Michael Bamberger, who uh, his good cheer and enthusiasm has been a big part of these podcasts. I'm Alan Shipnuck, Jeff Ogilvie across the ocean. We will be back at it um, the week of the Open Championship for more Fire Drill podcasts. Thanks to all the listeners. We we appreciate you, and we we know you're out there. And uh, uh, thanks for going on this journey with us. For now, that's it from the Country Club. 122nd U.S. Open is in the books, and Fire Drill Podcast is done. So thanks. Put another log on the fire. Nobody here is getting tired. 